Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So, we start with a random question. Alice, what household chore do you hate doing the most? Hmm, interesting question. I mean, none of them are particularly fun. But I do tend to find the ones where you have to stand still are most frustrating. So washing the dishes, Mm. not a huge fan of that. If I've got a hoover or, you know, go brush a floor, don't mind that too much. You can do a few lunges as you go, (laughs) turn it into a bit of a workout. Uh, So, yeah, I would say doing the dishes probably. How about yourself? Um... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of doing the dishes because despite the fact that I've been doing dishes for many years, I'm still shit at it. Mm. Uh, and ironing as well. I am like, I'm rubbish at ironing. Despite the fact that I'm a, I'm a bloke and all my clothes are really easy to iron, I am. I just find it, re- I find it really frustrating. Also, not a big fan of cleaning the shower because mm-hmm. we've got a shower cubicle mm-hmm. and you have to shut the door and there's got loads of like nooks and crannies you've got to get in and it's really awkward to clean and you always end up wet even though the shower's not on somehow nightmare i don't actually iron a thing really yeah i mean you can probably tell by (laughs) everything that i wear yeah (laughs) i just never got into ironing and now i feel like i shouldn't have to for some reason i only really iron shirts and doilies no Uh, and um if like if you're going out somewhere going somewhere fancy yeah absolutely So this week's film is Hercules, the uh, the 1997 one, the Disney one. So spoiler warning for that if you've not seen it. So um, this one was picked by me. Uh, just give you a little synopsis of the film. Uh, basically, it is the Disney-fied version of the uh, Greek legend of Hercules. Um, I won't say any more about that. Alice, had you seen this before? I had seen it before. I don't think I'd seen it again as an adult, though, only as a child. But I am very interested to know why you picked this. I thought this was a bit bit of a wild card from you. Yeah, really. so I've been thinking about different... Um, you know, I didn't want to just keep picking similar films and stuff. And I, and I, and I wanted to try and get in a mixture of kind of uh, more indie films, lesser seen films... 
or films that have been seen by many people, but but I think are are underrated. So I, I've I've picked this because I feel like if it was one of my favorite Disney films in terms of the classic cartoons, and I feel like it's never mentioned in the same breath as the big classics mm-hmm. like The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, um, Little Mermaid, that sort of thing. And I've picked it because I think it deserves to be. Interesting. Yes. Um, so you've not. So you've watched it again as an adult. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Are you going to tear my dream down? Not at all. I really <sighs> enjoyed it again as an adult. The music is fantastic. Uh, Meg is wonderful. I mean, unfortunately, she does just kind of. It, you know, it ends the same way that most Disney films do with the happy romantic ending. But for a while there, you think Meg might be a different kind of Disney princess. Um, but no, overall, yeah, I did thoroughly enjoy it. Rare thing for a Disney film, um, no dead parents. No dead parents? Oh, I hadn't realised, yes. Yeah. Very All interesting. All parents are present and correct. Yes. <laughs> Shocking. What about Meg's parents? Do we hear much about those? Oh, don't split hairs. Sorry. I'm, ta- I'm talking about I'm the talking main, about main parents. Parents that I give a shit about. Josh, how did you feel re-watching it? Was it as you... Did it have the same impact that it did when you were younger? Um, Yeah, it did. Uh, To be honest, there's so much to love, I think, about this film. You've already mentioned the music. I mean, the music's amazing. You know, I Can Go the Distance, Gospel Truth, Won't Say I'm In Love, A Star Is Born, Zero To Hear, all these songs. Like, I genuinely think it's one of the great Disney soundtracks. I, I won't say I'm in love, the <laughs> song that Meg sings, I think could genuinely, like, if you just release that. Oh, I, so I thought you were saying, song. I wouldn't say I'm in love with the film, No, I wouldn't but... say I'm in love. Um, <laughs> out, at least out loud, I won't say <laughs> I'm in love. No, um, but no, I, I, yeah, I think the music's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love the way, um, the world it creates. So it takes a lot of the source material and creates, obviously, a... A, a less because let, you know if, if you know anything about the mythology around the film it's all pretty grim and, mm-hmm. and dark but it creates this kind of easy to, to watch big colourful world that draws you into these these characters and these gods and goddesses it's the setting's amazing like the way that things look like Mount Olympus and the way that ancient Greece is, is made to look the fact that it's all kind of based on um or it looks like it's based on the actual drawings on of, of the vases. So, like, the fact that all the men who've got beards have, like, beards like statues. I don't really know how to describe it. Like, I don't really know what the art style would be, would be classed as, but the way they've got these square beards that don't look like real beards, do you know what I mean? And the way that, like, they've got... The way people's got kind of got very square, thick lines, the way the characters are drawn. I, I, like, I, I like the way it looks. Um, I think... The script is great. I mean, what did you think of the script as an adult? I thought the script was fine. I don't think there was anything that made me think, oh, yeah, like, you know, when you can tell it's a kid's film and such. Mm. Uh, There was lots of... um, Sort of hadn't really noticed it, obviously, as much when you were a kid, but lots of... um, What's the word? Not, like, prejudice language, but, for instance, one of the sort of townspeople or whatever, when Hercules is, you know, being too strong and ruining everything... He's off screen, but the voice goes, he's too dangerous to be around normal people. (laughs) Like, real emphasis on the word normal. Uh, So I hadn't realised quite how sort of... 
bullied and ostracised, I suppose, Hercules was. Um, I'd noticed as well, and I'm sure this is so obvious to everyone, but I only kind of picked up on it this time around, was the comparisons between Hercules and Superman and the kind of similar, so, oh, he came from above and he was so strong, nobody knew what to do with him, and then he's got these, like, adoptive parents, and then it's, like, all about a journey about finding out who he truly is and such. I suppose if you think about it, you could say Superman actually came from Hercules, if you think about the timeline of when <laughs> of when they were drawn, but I, I know what you mean in, in that sense, because what I, to lead on from that point, I suppose what, one thing I like about it is that when he goes to the city, it's like, almost like there's been this succession of shit superheroes. Mm -hmm. And when he goes, they're all so, like, beat, weather-beaten and battered from all the horrible stuff that's happening in the city. You know, they're talking about the plagues and the, the pestilence and the mm -hmm. disease and the famine and the drought and all these things that happened that when he arrived, they're just like, oh, another another guy. So I like that it creates this, this world where, obviously, we all know the legends of different, of, like, Achilles and... Theseus and Odysseus and Perseus and all the people that Phil mentions he's trained. But I like that it takes those and it makes it one share, almost like a shared world where Phil has trained them all individually and they've all been in all these Greek myths have happened in their own little self-contained way and each one with their tragic ending has been just another disappointment mm -hmm. for, for Phil. Um, so you, but, you mentioned Phil there, old Philatetes, Danny DeVito. Yeah, what, Danny DeVito. What did you make of his character? Um... I love how much he looks like Danny DeVito, <laughs> but no, I—I I mean, I—I I love him because he's—he's what—he's that thing in a Disney film of he's the character that's there to take the 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 main character from A to B. He's a bit like Timon and Pumba, or mm -hmm. um, I can't think of another example, but someone who's there to to help the hero on the way. Except what I like about it is um, he gets his own story in terms mm -hmm. of he. It's only a little throwaway thing about him wanting to have trained the greatest hero ever. And then he actually gets a little, a nice little conclusion. And quite often you get these side characters and, and they're in there to to just be funny and to, to do what the story needs them to do. But I like that in this one, um, Phil gets an ending, a happy ending, as well as Hercules. He gets his hero spelt, his hero in, in the is a picture in the stars and he gets someone saying, you know, there's Phil's boy. I, I, I like that satisfying ending. So why, what did you think of the character? Uh, well, he's a massive perv, well, uh, which massive I perv. kind of really noticed this time around. Uh, so obviously he hits on Meg, she rejects him. And then from that point, he hates her and starts mm. calling her names and stuff. So wasn't a huge fan of that. Are you saying that Phil from Hercules is cancelled? I would say that Phil is cancelled. <laughs> Sorry, fella. No. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, how, you know, how common is it to see women being degraded in some way or another in a Disney I film? Did, so I, I wasn't wholly surprised. I, I, I did notice that. And I've co I'll have I'll come on to that in the kind of section that we later on about things we might have not have liked. But mm -hmm. you are right, that has aged poorly. But I also suppose, because he's so hopelessly useless with women and so um, deluded in thinking that he can actually talk to them, it, it's kind of... I guess that's kind of funny, although it has aged poorly in a way, but I didn't think it was that bad. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I guess it doesn't tell kids watching the film it's okay to be like that. It tells, it kind of tells kids, well, he's an idiot. He's like a short little fat half goat man who tries to talk to different beautiful women like the nymphs and like Megan just always ends up getting hit or slapped or pushed over. So I don't know, but... Speaking of that, I, I, one thing I did notice about the script was and something I'd never 
paid that much attention to as a kid is that there's so many adult references in in the script. Mm-hmm. Disney do that all the time. Like if you look at a lot of um especially Pixar, there's always jokes in there for adults, jokes in there for the kids. But I've never noticed how much like there's a there's a bit in in Hercules where re- they go and watch Oedipus mm-hmm. and they come back and go, go <laughs> and Hercules actually goes that Oedipus play, oh, uh, I thought I had problems. Oedipus, if you don't know, is a play in which the main character ends up shagging his own mum. By accident. <laughs> By accident. <laughs> By but accident. then I can't remember how it ends, but I'm sure it ends with something like she scratches her own eyes out and he cuts his own head off. Something or penis like or something. Mm-hmm. But it's very adult. The, the fact that uh, um, Hermes says at the start, oh, I haven't seen this, oh, it might be a Hades. One of the characters says, I haven't seen this much love in a room since Narcissus discovered himself. Yeah, yeah, and he's then there looking at the mirror. A and God, yeah. look at himself. And it's like, obviously, the joke there is that that's where narcissism came from. Mm-hmm. The uh, the fates say at one point to pain and panic, indoor plumbing is going to be big. That there's loads of jokes I'd never yeah, noticed yeah. before as an adult, and I and I. But then there's also slapstick, like when Phil falls off Pegasus and gets the third horn and all that. Oh, and um, you know, Hades gets his hair blown out. All mm-hmm. that. You know, I remember laughing at it as as a kid, and I watched this on my own for for the pop, and was just still chuckling away merrily to myself about some of the jokes, like you say the Oedipus joke. Mm, I would say it is a bit funnier than your average. Disney film as well. And I'm just thinking now, when you think about something like... Like, I'm trying to think in Lion King. Is Lion King funny? I suppose Scar has a couple of moments, but I think in general, Lion King isn't very funny. Whereas in Hercules, you do kind of... It's like just a bit of a more upbeat romp, really. Yeah, I mean, Lion King... So Scar's got a few kind of sarcastic Mm put-downs. Timon and Pumbaa... Have a few mm. a few funny lines. I think yeah. maybe more for the kids. I guess. Yeah, really. the, the benchmark um, of like funny jokes for kids and adults is probably if you're thinking of another Disney film, would probably be the genie and Aladdin. Oh, um, yeah. But then that's obviously the, the late great Robin Williams. Mm. But all, I mean, how many kids would get the references of like when he's turning into Jack Nicholson and stuff in Aladdin? But mm-hmm. that's what I mean. It's got that. It's got that balance, and I think it's got a similar balance to Aladdin in terms of the jokes for the kids and the jokes for adults. Mm-hmm. But it never. It, it just, I don't think this film gets the kudos it deserves. It's one of a couple of Disney films that I have kind of in the back of my head to pick that I don't think it ever, whenever you say to people, what's your favourite Disney film? For me, depend, I think it, all, it depends on their age because some people, if you're older, people might prefer older films, I suppose. It's just, it's, I think it's entirely based in nostalgia and when you watched it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more people say, you know, Aladdin, um, Lion King, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast. Frozen now. Frozen. Well, yeah. Not a lot of people say this. And I think it's my favourite Disney film in terms of the cartoons, I mean. So what did you think of kind of the way it created a world of Greek, of, of kind of goddesses and gods? And what, what do you think of that? Was it kind of, was that something you appreciated as an adult? Was it just something that was in there for the kids? Or did you kind of notice stuff that you'd not noticed before in terms of the way the world's created? So for example, I noticed that like, I don't know that much about ancient Greek mythology, but like Bacchus is in it because he pours wine all over Hercules at the end. What did you think of the way the world of the film was created? I think by choosing that sort of subject matter, it's given him such like brilliant scope for creative freedom, really. Like you could, the, when you sort of, I think one of the first scenes on top of Mount Olympus, like you've got all these gods all together and they're all like massive and striking colours and stuff and there's all clouds and the sky's amazing and you've got Pegasus, which just looks cool, like it's a horse that can fly. So because of that, it 
you it is just a real visual pleasure, I think, to watch. Um, and something that you definitely appreciate more as you get older because you do notice, like you say, that it is kind of true to the the sort of original text or the original stories around it, which isn't something unless you're, you know, particularly interested in Greek mythology as a child, which I'm sure some children are, but I was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot to kind of see that second time around when you watch it as an adult. And that, that I think, is key for the success of most Disney films, is if you've got parents and children who can enjoy it. And almost like they almost kind of have an educational element as well. Not ne Never as much as like, you know, a kid's TV program, like, I don't know, like, Play days or whatever, but they do. Oh, play days, <laughs> Josh! What a blast for the past. But they do, but they do like to, like you say. Some kids are probably like I. When you're a kid, there's always kids who are into like dinosaurs, mm -hmm. ancient Egypt, cars. You know, when I was space. a kid, yeah, space. And I bet there's probably there must be kids who are into, like you say, ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, Romans, Tudors, mm -hmm. all the sort of stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, I was into like the horrible histories books and stuff. So mm. I suppose I wasn't that into ancient Greece. I was more into like the Tudors and the Victorians and mm -hmm. stuff. But um, but I do think that, that that's something that it does really well is, is um, create a, a, a good world and that you say it's colourful. Mm -hmm. And it's, it creates, a, I think it creates a world for me in such a way that really draws you into the film mm -hmm. and makes you feel like, I suppose, that you're escaping, it's escapist. Like a lot of good films do, they kind of create they create the four walls to close behind you and say, right, you're in this film now, this is what's going on. Hades is a great villain for me. Yeah, I I, so I didn't realise it was James Woods as well. Again, only realising the sort of second yeah. time around, but I don't think I was really familiar with who James Woods was when I was a kid anyway. Uh, but yeah, brilliant, a real highlight, I think, Hades. You, you don't often get a villain in a Disney film for me anyway, who's also quite often the comic relief. Mm -hmm. So like, if you think of like Scar and Jafar and Ursula, they're all these big kind of brooding, scary bad guys. Whereas Hades is kind of, he's clearly been allowed, James Woods has clearly been allowed to play with the script and he's kind of sharp and he's fast and he's funny and he has moments that, you know, his hair blows out, he's funny, he's, he loses his temper, he, he has little throwaway lines that are that are funny. He is he's a funny character, but he's also a villain as well. And I quite like that. Again, it lightens it lightens the film a little bit it, it, to not have this big it, to have a big scary villain, but to also have him being quite funny at the same time. So Meg and Hades obviously have this kind of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Not bro months, obviously, because Meg's a lady, but they're like because they spend so much time together, because he owns her soul or whatever. So they've got like a good little sort of Rapport, duo thing like going a, on. Yeah, it's, it's really that funny. kind of tit for tat, verbal banter. For, yeah. I hate that word, but you know what I mean? Back and forth, <laughs> yeah, ongoing but, thing. So I enjoyed that. And when Meg's watching him train, he's like pretty, he's training to shoot things or certain, or he's firing arrows into something. Yeah, he's angry at Hercules beating all of his monsters, so pain and panic of throwing vases for him to just shoot, That's basically. It. That's it. So when he's doing that, Meg goes, nice shooting, Rex. Yeah. Do you have any idea what that's in reference to? Nice shooting, Rex? I think it's like a reference to some sort of cowboy film. Like okay. I, I think it's like nice shooting, Tex. It's like that kind of thing. Ah, I, I okay. Think, I think that's what it is. I got that it was a reference to something else. So that's funny. So Meg is referencing things that exist outside yeah. of the world of the film. So you quite like that Meg as well. is emasculating the god of death. Yeah. <laughs> nice <laughs> Who owns one. her soul in a, in a kid's <laughs> film. And I suppose... Just to finish in terms of the... So, I love the script. I love the way it looks. I love the music. I think it, I think it all looks incredible. For me also, it's really emotive. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I um, it, it's really feel good, but also... I tear up at this film every time I watch it. Like Do the, you? Like, when, oh, Meg, <laughs> when Meg dies at the end, and I always, I always get a little teary, because... It's that thing of like he gets his power back mm-hmm. because he because Hades says if anything happens to you, you can get your power back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. lifts the pillar up and then she dies. Yeah. But the bit then when he dives into the sea of the dead and rescues her mm-hmm. and they try and cut the string and it goes gold mm-hmm. and they go, he'd have to be a and then Pain of Man, it go, a guard. Mm-hmm. Like I'm proper like, yeah, like yeah. Proper, like yeah. <laughs> I just think it's brilliant. Yeah. It know. is a great scene. It is a great scene. I mean, like like we said, every a lot of the great Disney films have got that moment. Obviously, everyone knows that when again, spoilers if you've not seen The Lion King, but when Mufasa dies in, in The Lion King, or when Simba takes his place as King of the Pride at the end, really emotive. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think this does it as well. That 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 you know, it's sad when it's sad and then you want to get up and cheer at the end. I just love it. I just, mm-hmm. th- I just think it takes you on. It hits all the right beats. Mm-hmm. It looks great. It's entertaining and the music's great. A very high praise, Josh. Very high. 
So moving on to things we we perhaps didn't like about the film, or, or I mean, I've already played my hand, so maybe it's more like things you didn't like about the film. But I know it wasn't long enough. Yeah, I know it, it's it's I find it's hard to criticize a kids' film like this because it's always so simple. It's one of those things that when you're reading about these things, these supposed criticisms on on your likes of IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, and you see like, well, if. Hades is the Lord of the Dead. Why didn't he notice Hercules wasn't dead? And then someone immediately goes, well, maybe he's the villain and he just assumed because he's, you know, he's so pompous and up himself. It, do- it just doesn't matter. Just suspend your cynicism. Yeah, he yeah. didn't. He didn't notice he was dead. That shouldn't make or break the film for you. No. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it had just been, is he dead? Yeah, yeah. No, he's not. We'll go and finish the job then. Yeah. End oh. of film. <laughs> <laughs> Credits. Yeah. But that aside... And I've got I've got some interesting points that I noticed, but is there anything you didn't like about the film? I know you've kind of mentioned the odd thing to me off air. So Philatetes, obviously, is slightly problematic. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, a, a party pooper or anything, and I appreciate these are just films and they shouldn't be, you know, held up as these moral, you know, things that we all need to learn from. But I just felt like... Um, he was meant to be funny. Like, they were trying to push him as the comedy character, and I didn't find him funny. I just kind of found him a bit gross and a bit sleazy. And the comedy didn't outshine that. So, like, say if you look at something like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like, obviously, some of the jokes in that, some of the stuff they say is just horrific. Both Danny DeVito. Exactly. That's why it made me think of it. (laughs) But because it's funny and it's brilliantly written it's worth it mm. if you know what i mean and i just didn't feel like that with phil so for, so interesting you mentioned that because i think that the, the good thing with it's always sunny is they say some and do say and do some absolutely horrific things mm-hmm. which if you if you ever have ever tried to recommend that sitcom to anyone and you basically say to them what it's about it's almost impossible i think people have to come and find it for themselves but to counteract your point, the reason why it's funny is because those people are horrible people. Mm-hmm. So could you not say it's kind of funny that Phil is a bit sleazy? And I'm not defending the film. I've never noticed that as well. And I did notice that when I watched it again as an adult, especially in a more aware, shall we say, time. Um, but is it not funny because Phil is also an idiot? So I didn't find it funny, but I can absolutely see sort of where you're coming from and and maybe how they were trying to design it and how they wanted to project it. Uh, The other thing as well, so obviously we get the cameo from Scar where he's a head like hanging up on the wall or something. That is so overdone. Like, it's like they keep shoving that in your face. It's like, here's another close-up of Scar. Here's another close-up of Scar. Let me show you the Scar so you know it's definitely Scar from The Lion King. I was like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> might as well just have the painter go, is that Scar from The Lion King? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it just, right. I feel like it ceases to be an Easter egg when it's so prominently it's very, forced in, in front it's, of you. It's very like, buy, buy the other merchandise though. Yeah, yeah. Like, remember buy, our other films? Yeah, toys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy the, buy the pajamas though. Yeah. Hey kids, so, remember I, Scar? I know, yeah, I, remember I, Lion King? I, I know exactly what you mean. So Something I thought was interesting. So it's set in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. Is it a little bit whitewashed? Certainly. So, I think, so, again, a common unfortunate trope with uh, Disney content. So yeah, so it's not... There's there's no one in it who looks particularly Grecian. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there's no one in it with kind of olive skin. Hercules skin. is ginger. Hercules Though is ginger. Though he is a god, I pale. suppose, isn't he? He is. Exempt from the but rules. But then all of, you know, his mother, his adoptive mother and father, all the people. At one point, he's, he catches a discus of someone who's the same age as him. And it's like a, a blonde kid with 
long blonde hair. Mm-hmm. So, but I know that um, the Greek government, when this came out, were critical. So they wanted to have the premier or a premier in Athens, I think. And they wouldn't let them have it. And what they basically said was that Disney had taken liberties with the source material. Because okay. Hercules is actually the Roman equivalent of Heracles. Right. So the Greek god. And I'm hoping this is right. If I'm not, please do tweet me and I'll ignore it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Heracles. Okay. And they took liberties by having... So, for example, um, he does stuff in the film which he didn't do in the legend and I know it, again it's a kids film it's there for entertainment but there's a moment where he fights the minotaur mm-hmm. um, which obviously he didn't do in the in, in the mythology so I think they it's quite interesting because it is their kind of national stories mm-hmm. and as much as they're they're so old and they've kind of been you know everyone knows certain legends from Greek mythology it is part of their particular history so Following on from what you said, Josh, certainly a, a case of whitewashing and, it, you know, just to make it more digestible, I believe, for, for the Western audiences, which is what Disney want to do. But what I did like about Hercules is it opens with um, a black ensemble singing, mm. which is not often found in Disney films and certainly not in 1997. And those characters are great storytellers. They've got some of the best songs. So that was nice to kind of see that progression sort of so early on. But then I don't know if they did it again for a while after that. The the kind of the narrators, and I suppose what they are in terms of the way ancient Greek stories are told is they're the chorus, aren't they? They're the chorus and they act as narrators by taking you through the film and singing songs. Like you said, they sing the best songs of the film pretty much apart from Meg's song and Mm -hmm. Hercules has one as well. Um, like you say, that is that is interesting. That's a good point. But also, is that does does the film? I suppose what I'm trying to ask is, does the film play a little bit with stereotype? I think there's certainly, or I at least definitely felt like there was some elements of stereotyping going on. So I feel like maybe some of the representation with Hades could have been interpreted as anti-Semitic because he's the villain. Mm. He's the one, you know, he's out to ruin Hercules and ruin the story. Um, but he's he uses Yiddish language, and I'm just wondering again that obviously Disney does have a bit of this reputation of you know being anti-Semitic and it being prominent in a lot of the films. Um, so there there was that in terms of others. Um, so it's a shame, obviously, in terms of Meg, that she starts off as this kind of very independent and headstrong and, like I said before, like, oh, is she going to be a different kind of Disney princess? But in the end, it's just the same anyway. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, I did fall in love with the guy who was big and strong and who saved me, <laughs> you know. But it's just told a bit differently. So one question that did come to mind whilst I was watching it, and I'd be interested to get your answer, which is that Disney are or have been remaking a lot of their classic films like the jungle book they've remade cinderella sleeping beauty was maleficent the lion king and this is obviously prime for a remake and i believe there is one coming um i think it might be the russo brothers who did endgame and some of the later avengers films might be involved oh interesting which is interesting so if they if and when it is a case of when isn't it in terms of the old moolah Mm. when they make the remake how do you think they should change this adaptation to make it better? I think, like you said before, because they sort of moved away from the original 
source material in some ways, maybe bring the real actual story with the actual characters and like the actual, I say actual events, obviously it's mythology, but like that's accurate to kind of the original writings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that would be interesting. Um, I mean, if they could film it in Greece, that would be fantastic because I think there's still so much to see in Greece of ancient Greece. Like there's still the ruins and stuff. So, you know, if they could rig it up and, and go and shoot there, that would make it better as well. And and like with the with some of the other Disney remakes that they are doing, just more accurate representation, just opening it out. That's the to, big to, one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the, that's the big one. Cast cast someone to play Hercules who is or looks Greek, mm-hmm. is from Greek descent. Um, should I say slightly say more accurate representation? Mm. Um, the source material question is a, 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 a good one. Because it's so different from the source material. Because in the source mm-hmm. material, he has like 12 tasks. I think he has 12 tasks before he can go to Mount Olympus or become a god or something like that. But it's not, you know, he just wants to go to Mount Olympus. So he has to be a hero in his heart type mm-hmm. thing. So that is interesting because they would, I think they should bring that into it. But also the main one for me is is the is the representation and the accuracy in terms of it's set in ancient Greece, mm. so it can't be a white ginger guy. No, sorry, <laughs> Hercules. sorry, Hercule or Hercules. Um, it's just one of the only parts I might have had any chance of getting. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, um, Josh. Yeah, that dream has been dashed. <laughs> so, Josh, just before we come on to the critical reception, I'd like you to join me down the rabbit hole for this section that I'm going to call Alice down the rabbit hole. I'll come into the rabbit hole. Are you strapped in? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. So, we all know Tate Donovan as the voice of Hercules. I'm sure you know him, Josh. He was Marissa's hot dad, Jimmy Cooper, in The O.C., or Rachel's boyfriend, Joshua, in Friends. Great name. But did you know that the actor who played young Hercules' speaking voice was a man named Josh Keaton? Another Josh. Not a name I was familiar with. He seems to be predominantly a voice actor doing video games, TV series, lots of Spider-Man stuff. He was also in a band called No Authority, an American pop boy band, not to be confused with the German ska band of the same name. No Authority was signed to Michael Jackson's record label, MJJ Music, reportedly by Jackson himself, who received their demo. Their debut single, Don't Stop, includes such poetry as Give Her Anne Klein, Pretty Suits and Boots, Take You on a Hot Beach, and Feed You Fresh Fruit. You think I'm lying. I ain't kidding. I got a good girl. Not forbidden. Keaton left the band after the first album, and I couldn't find solid confirmation, but the timeline could suggest that this was around the time he was cast for Hercules. He initially recorded both the speaking and singing parts for Young Hercules, but his singing voice was swapped for Roger Bart's. Keaton says in his blog, my voice was too pop instead of the musical theatre sound of Disney songs at the time. Not to mention, I was going through a voice change and couldn't hit the five-minute sustained note at the end of the song for longer than four minutes, such as par for the course in this industry and if I took it personally every time something didn't go my way I would be butthurt dweller and that was Alice down the rabbit hole with Hercules <laughs> so coming on to the critical reception then where we try and decide um, whether the film is underrated or not um, you haven't seen the critical reception Alice I so have managed to avoid it what would you think it scores in a general out of ten so, obviously, before, I would have possibly thought maybe low 8 to mid 8, so 8.3 to 8.5, but the fact that you've picked it, it obviously leads me to believe that it's got less than that. 
and that's why you would consider it underrated. So, if I have a little think, because it is a good film, the script is good, the songs are fantastic, but it obviously didn't do as well as other Disney films. So, I would maybe say a seven, maybe early seven, so like a 7.2 possibly. So, yeah, so on IMDb, it gets 7.3. Ooh! 0.1 off. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it's get it's coming in for the audience at 76% and coming in at, from the critics at 84%. Oh, wow. Is that fair? Is it accurate? Where do you think this sits in, in the pantheon? Which I... is a Greek word. Oh, well done. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I... I think that critical reception is very good. Very mm. good. Um, and I think that all kind of matches up, though, like with the seven. Mm, does it, though? I'm trying to think. I sh- mm. Well, how do you... Obviously, you you love it, and I assume you feel I that it's I think underrated. that the critics' score is about right, mm-hmm. and I think the audience score is slightly low. Um, so you're fuming at the IMDb score. You're fuming. Mm. I've uh, I've deleted my account. I Good. refuse to use it ever again. No. <laughs> so where in terms of where it is, is it underrated or is it appropriately rated? Is it overrated? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't say it's overrated. I would say it is ever so slightly underrated, just a smidgen. So I, I no, when I picked this, just I suppose, just to conclude, when, when I picked this, I had no idea of the actual um, where what it was considered of critically. Critically, I love the film from seeing it when I was seven in the cinema, and I've loved it ever since. I picked it because, as I said at the start, it's never considered mm-hmm. in the great classics of Disney films, and I think it is. So I think based on that, it's underrated, and it's often underrated by other people I speak to. Um, so I suppose, in my opinion, underrated. However, critically, they're probably about right. So I'm going to say underrated. Underrated. Another one for the underrated pile. So there we go. That's Hercules, uh, another one in the bag. So uh, very excited to say that next week we're going to have a, a very special guest episode. So please do tune in for that. But I'm going to keep you guessing as to who it is. Um, thank you very much as ever for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we'd we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you've got a, if you've got a film that you'd like to suggest for us, you want to tell us what you thought of uh, one of the films we've already done. It's filmsandthatpod at gmail dot com, and we're on all the social medias, just films and that. Um, thank you very much. It's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.